Sox fans, are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast with your hosts, Mike Walters and Eddie Jones. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Mike Walters, along with my co-host, Eddie Jones, and we have a good show for you this week. We're going to talk about the Ducks uh, playing the Oilers, the Devils, the Kings, and uh, they did pretty good. Uh, what we thought, uh, you know, that they'd win two out of uh, three of the games, and that's what they did. So we'll recap that and go through all of that. We'll talk about the Sarbosa trade. Um, the Ducks also recalled Kase and Theodore this past weekend, so we'll get into that. We'll preview some games coming up this week. We'll also talk about a new all-star rule. You, you've heard of John Scott. Well, there's a rule that's out there, so we'll go into that a little bit too. And we'll also talk about Las Vegas as they're going to pick a name for their team, and that's going to be announced this week. So we'll get into a whole bunch of stuff this show. But first, we're going to go back to the beginning of the week. When the Ducks played the Oilers, Eddie, the Ducks needed to win this game to get back into first, or actually to get into first place for the first time, and they took it to them. They actually listened to our podcast, I'm pretty sure, last week. They put in Manson and Lindholm together on the blue line, like you said and I said. And so they came out there and uh, they shut down Connor McDavid, the all-star. Uh, you know, he did have a hat trick later this week, but uh, against the Ducks, he didn't do much. But uh, the Ducks did well in this game, Eddie, and they took him out 4-1. to one. Yeah, and Kessler and I guess Kessler and Vermette together kind of teamed up to take down Connor McDavid in this game, and McDavid was held to only 42% on the faceoff, and he was a, a minus one in this game. So that was obviously a big part that we talked about is if you're going to beat the Oilers, you're going to have to shut down McDavid in that line. And then from there on, it's a, it's a lot easier game to play, and we've seen Kessler do that before. I mean, he thrives at going against um, the other team's best uh, opponent. So a big game by him. Obviously, he gets uh, his seventh on the power play, too, and... You know, the Ducks scored uh, pretty early on in the game, too, seven minutes in. Uh, you know, Nick Ritchie got to go off a nice pass from, from Getzlaff, so they got off to a good a good foot there. And, and they just played a solid game throughout. Uh, I mean, Gibson had a pretty good game. Uh, you know, again, we, you mentioned, we've mentioned this before. You know, when when you win 4-1, you don't always notice the goalie, but the Oilers outshot uh, the Ducks 35-27 to in this game. So for Gibson had to be strong, made 34 saves, and, and had a strong game. Um, and this was a big start. We said this is going to be probably the hardest game of the the three, and uh, when we when we did the last podcast, and it was going to be you know a four point game and, and good to get the road uh, sorry the the homestand off uh, on a good foot and you know a big win and, and it carried over. Yeah, I mean this this game was uh, you know good all the way around. Uh, the Ducks scored first. Uh, they built up a three nothing lead in the second period. Um, you know, and they pretty much scored all the goals in this game. Uh, you know, Edmonton was credited with one goal, but it was really Cam Fowler scoring, you know, on the Ducks on accident. He redirected, uh, the, uh, the puck into their own net. So Edmonton really didn't do much this game in terms of, you know, scoring wise. I mean, like you mentioned, they did have more shots. Um, they had four power play attempts. They couldn't get anything going on the power play and the Ducks look good. You know, they played very well in this game. They, they started well, they finished well. And this was a big win. Uh, the Ducks pulled within, uh, you know, the same amount of points as Edmonton in this uh, uh, with this win. So we wanted them to come out and start off the week. And uh, you know, Edmonton had kind of been on a slide, and the Ducks kind of continued that. And you know, everything looked good. I, I think probably the only thing in this game maybe was just the faceoffs. Uh, you know, the Ducks just barely got the edge in this game uh, at a uh, fifty-one to forty-nine percent. But other than that, they looked good overall. Yeah, and and that's mostly just 
you know, Getzlaff struggled. He was only 33% in this game, and, and you know he would have taken a, a fair amount of face-offs, so that's probably contributed to that. And also Scarbosa was 29%, so, you know, two of your guys are below, you know, 40%, which, you know, which contributed to that. Obviously, Vermat was great. He was 77% and, and Kessler 52 but, uh, I mean, they still did narrowly win the face-off battle. Uh, it didn't seem to play a, a huge issue in, in this game. You know, even uh, even Gibson got, on, got in on the scoring and picked up uh, an assist on, on Fowler's goal. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this this was all, probably all around one of the, the most solid efforts of the Ducks on the season. And, uh, you know, they looked to carry that on. Uh, they also played uh, New Jersey this week at home. New Jersey came into town. They, they also actually outshot the Ducks in this game. Uh, but, you know, the Ducks got in trouble in this one in the second period. Uh, our good old friend uh, DeFonte Smith-Pelly scored a goal. Uh, smiley faces, I like to call him, as some of you may know what I'm talking about. But uh, he and Quincy got uh, the Jer- uh, New Jersey up 2-0 uh, in this game. Uh, but then the Ducks, you know, the, the Swedish attack uh, came out in the second period here. And uh, Raquel and Silverberg scored two goals within 16 seconds. You know, in the final uh, three, you know, just under three minutes to go in the second period, pulling this game within two to two. And, uh, of course, Kessler comes through in the third period with the uh, the game winner. But uh, what a game. Uh, this one, you know, we talked about the Ducks coming back and how they've had the, a hard time doing it. And uh, they finally did it in this one, Eddie. Yeah, and really, this was against New Jersey team who had won five in a row. They were sitting, you know, in the top two for for goals against per game, and when they went up two nothing, you're like, there's only half a game left, and this is a team who rarely allows the you know too many goals against Corey Schneider's in net. You didn't really see a way back, and then you know something that the Ducks really haven't been able to do this season is come back and win a game, and they get—I mean—they get two goals within 60 seconds, and obviously that's going to help. And it, and it was big for them to get them right at the end of the period there, and you know their play carried over into the third period, and and you know they left it kind of late, but Kessler got it, and, and just a you know really big win for them. Yeah, and a, a couple interesting stats came, you know, as a result after this game. One of them is, and we've noticed uh, with the Ducks this season, is every time the Ducks score three goals, they win. And ironically, all of their wins, they had three goals or more. So I guess the magic number, pretty much for the Ducks this season, is score three or more goals, Eddie. I mean, that just seems to be the 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 you know the thing they need to do. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's safe to say anytime you have three goals, you have you have a good chance to win. But uh, like you said, it's been the magic number for the Ducks this season. They've been nine zero and zero when they've scored three goals, and uh, I mean that should be something they'd be looking to do. Um, you know, obviously you're not going to consistently score three goals on every night, so they're going to have to look to win games two one or one nothing, or you know, they're going to have to win low scoring games eventually. Uh, but when you can get that kind of run going, it's always good. So the team knows if they get three, and you've kind of got that mentality now that once you score three, you can shut it down from there, and you know how to win. And another crazy stat that came out of this that uh, was mentioned in some of the articles out there is, is since Kessler came to the Ducks, during the regular season, when he scores at least one goal, the Ducks are 20-0-1, Eddie. I mean, talk about another thing that they need to do at least you know, when they're at home is, hey, let's make sure Kessler gets a goal. And yeah, I mean, the Ducks are almost unstoppable. Yeah, uh, I mean, <laughs> it's just one of those things that you don't kind of believe it until you see the actual stats and the numbers behind it. Uh, I mean, it's a it's an, a crazy record for, for them to keep up. I mean, 
for the games that he scores and to to only lose one and lose it in overtime or a shootout is just insane. And you know, twenty wins. I mean, they should be feeding him the puck more often. He should be taking out fifteen shots a night. So then, if he gets score <laughs> a goal, then we can we can win pretty much every game. But yeah, it's just one of those weird things that you know it kind of just happens, and and it's an interesting stat to look at. We should pick up the phone. We need to call Randy Carlisle and tell him, hey. Kessler needs to play as much as possible at home, okay? That's just it. That's all we need him to do, okay? Just put him out there as much. Don't worry about Getzloff and Perry. Yeah, that's cool. They can play less, okay? Let's put Kessler out there as much as possible at Honda Center. But, no, yeah, it's a crazy stat. And uh, uh, thank God the Ducks are able to come back and win this one. Um, uh, you know, good come from behind win. The the only down note in this game really was, uh, you know, Camarosa got hurt. He accidentally uh, ran into Raquel in this game. And uh, that's what uh, ended up with the Ducks, uh, you know, recalling Andre Casse this weekend. So that was probably the only down part. Um, you know, he still uh, has a lower body injury and is listed to day to day. So that was probably the only downfall in this game, Eddie. But, uh, you know, the Ducks look good this week. They won the first two games. You know, we wanted them to at least get four points this week. They did that. And then they go into the last game, uh, you know, uh, on our podcast that we're going to talk about against the Kings. And it looked like everything was set for the Ducks to win this game, Eddie. The Kings had played the night before. Uh, Budai had played the night before. He went back in net again. Uh, Kopitar is still not back. Quick is still out as well, as you know, for a while. So you think the Ducks are going to have this game on Sunday against the Kings and we're going to take this one, right? No. The Ducks come out flatter than a board. I don't know what happened to them in the first 40 minutes of this game, but they did not show up. They go down three nothing. They they I don't know if they what they did in the locker room in between the second and third period, but they they drank something or or got yelled at or something, and they woke up, came out the third period, and and nearly you know tied it up. They got two goals, almost a third. They had one goal that was called back because of a quick whistle, but um, it's just you just can't do that, Eddie. You can't play 20 minutes. Especially, you know, after going down three uh, zero, you know, two periods later. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of things they they did wrong in this game. You know, the the penalty kill wasn't great in this game. Carter scored two power play goals. Uh, they couldn't contain him tonight. You know, his line, and obviously again he had two on the power play, but he did have the assist on on Doughty's goal as well. So his line dominated this game. The Kings dominated, like you said, until the third period. At one point, they're out shooting the Ducks, I believe, like twenty two to six or something. So. For a team that played last night, it looked like the Ducks were the team that played last night. Exactly. And, and, you know, you look at how many power play chances the Ducks had. They can only they can only finally score one when Raquel scored. They had seven chances. Yeah. I mean, against a team who who arguably doesn't have their best penalty killer in Anze Kopitar, and you get seven chances and you only score one goal. I mean, they could have used a couple there, and the power play has been pretty good so far this season. So and even the penalty kill. So it was a you know, kind of a flip flop game here. Um, you know they dominated in the faceoffs. Vermette was ninety five percent on the faceoff <laughs> uh, in that game, which was insane. Um, but they just couldn't get anything going. Like you said, they were just flat. You know the second period was really bad for them. You know they had a, a, a point there where Carter scored back to back power play goals in, in under a minute. So I mean you can't take penalties against a, a team like that, and especially in that quick, con- uh, you know, that quick after the other one. Uh, like you said, they came out good in the third period, but it, when you put yourself down three nothing, it's it's hard to score three goals in twenty minutes. You know they almost did it, but it's it's a it's a hard hole to get out of. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, you, you get down 3 nothing like that, and I remember some people that were there were even saying, you know, what is this, Game 7 all over? And I'm like, oh, man, please don't don't bring that back to me. I didn't sleep for two nights after that game. I'm like, let's not talk about it. This is just a regular season game, thankfully. Um, but it was kind of frustrating because, <laughs> at least as of, you know, when we're recording this, it's a three-way tie between the Oilers, the Kings, and the Ducks. So, you know, another one of those four-point games. But like you said, the killer to me in this was not just the slow start, but the special teams. The Kings' power play is one of the worst in the league. It's like 27 or 28th or something like that when, when this game started. And they scored two out of three times on the power play. Yeah. I mean, it's just uh, crazy. And then like you said, the, the Ducks had the power play seven times. And in the first three power plays, they only had like one or two shots on net in the first three power plays chances of this game so i mean i don't know i don't know if it's a full moon or what was going on but you really thought the ducks were going to come out and play a much better game and everything was like a role reversal i mean the only bright spot was like you said was verment uh who i guess set a record uh 21 uh face-offs he took and he won 20 of them which uh according to eric stevens is the the best single game you know marked by the ducks since the 97 98 season so oh, yeah. I mean that's crazy. <laughs> he's been he's been doing it all season, and I think that you know, that was the main reason that he played you know twenty minutes over twenty minutes last night. Wasn't many you know too many ducks who played significantly more than him. Only Kessler uh, played you know over a minute more than him, and he was right up there with Silverberg and Perry and Getzlaff, and and he was playing great last night. You know he grabbed a goal, like you said, twenty for twenty one on the face. There's there's a reason that he's number one in the yeah. league right now, and and, and that's yep. why. <laughs> Uh, and the fact that he's put still put up points, he's put he's got four goals, nine points on the season. You know, I didn't expect that from him. And then you know, we obviously knew he was great at faceoffs, but you know, to have nine points in, in nineteen games from and and to have him top of the league in faceoffs, he he's been a nice surprise this season so far. Uh, but yeah, like you said, it it, it is disappointing. Um, you know, we expected them to jump on them quickly, but. You know, you couldn't contain Carter, and the Ducks just couldn't get going. And you're going to have games like this. It's just disappointing when, you know, a Kings team without Kopitar, without Quick, coming off a game the the, the night before. Yep. It's, it's just a, it's a disappointing, you know, disappointing loss, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, to me, frankly, it's unacceptable. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, usually I don't go that level, but, and, you know, we talk about the, the team and the highs and the lows. And uh, that game, I mean, after the two periods, uh, I think everybody in my section was, was pretty pissed. <laughs> I mean, I, I usually f- refrain because, you know, I'm walking around with a Ducks and Pucks jersey. I don't want to get too crazy. But, you know, um, it, it just was bad, those first two periods. I mean, the first period, you know, was 0-0, but they were getting dominated on the shots. They just, luckily, Gibson kept a minute in the first period. And then the second period, just all hell broke loose. So... This is definitely a frustrating game, um, to say the least. That's just the only way you can really look at it. Um, the only thing I do think about this is, you know, you and I talked about uh, Manson and Lindholm being together. And, uh, you know, Lindholm shined in this game. He did have a couple of assists, finally getting some points going, like you and I talked about. Uh, last week was kind of a warm-up, and this week now he's, you know, he's getting more uh, into the offense as well. But I think the Ducks on the other pairings, uh, you know, had some trouble. Uh, Bieksa was sick. Uh, the night before, he, I mean, he looked didn't look well. We're going to actually talk about a, a fan question about that um, a little bit later. But he and uh, Holzer didn't do too great. And then you had uh, Fowler and Botnan as the other pairing. And, I mean, Botnan got ran over a few times, to be frank. I mean, it, they just didn't look good. Some of the pairings weren't really doing well. And it's something that I would like to see him change up. I mean, I, I think if you're going to go against a tough team, I, I mean, you and I agree, Manson and – and uh, Lindholm have to stay together, but I think you got to split up Fowler and Botnan if you're going to play a, 
you know, a more physical team. If you're playing a speed team, keep them together. But I think that's something that, you know, maybe they should look to adjust down the road, Eddie. I think, you know, I just don't think they should play together at all. And and they're just the two defensemen on the Ducks who are going to fly this on more off. They're, they're going to get out and they're, they're going to try and make plays offensively. Those are the two most likely guys to do that. When you play them on, on the same pairing... They both can't do that. They both, you know, yep. one guy's got to stay back and be, and and that just kind of messes with their game a bit. Then then they've got to think, well, can I go? Is he going to be back there? You know, we laughed a bit about having Lindholm playing with a boat anchor and either BX or a Stoner, but <laughs> you know, for for Lindholm and, and Manson, they they complement each other. Lindholm can be a little bit, you know, more creative offensively. He's not, you know, he's not at the level of, of Fowler and and Votnin. But he he he, you know, he had two assists in that game and he and he played a solid game and and Manson he had six hits he was throwing the body around on everybody in that game yep, so yep. they're allowed to play their games when when they play together but when you play you know Bex and and, and Holter together that you know we all know that them together isn't going to do too great we don't expect much from them but you yep. know it just it just it just it's not a pairing that makes sense and we, I don't think we've seen it that often I don't know many times that I've really seen them both play together. Um, but it's just, it's an odd one. And, and I don't know why it wasn't split up, you know, during the game, they weren't getting much going, like you said. And, and, you know, they they just need to know that there's that guy who's going to be back there. And I think they could have benefited from, from Fowler playing with one, one of either BX and Holzer and Vaughn and playing with the other one. I think it would have been beneficial for them in this game. Yeah, I agree. I think it would have definitely, you know, it, you know, maybe they would not have won, but it, I mean, it would have been maybe a little bit different. I mean, they did come out kind of flat, and ultimately, that's what you know got them the loss in this one. And you know, after this game, the Ducks, you know, uh, they did have uh, Theodore uh, ready. They had you know brought him up over the weekend too, and they didn't put him in. So. It's going to be interesting to see how the blue line shapes up this week, Eddie, because, um, you know, according to the practice report today, some of the beat writers that were putting out some of the info, uh, Carlisle's considering putting in Theodore this week, which I know everybody's excited about if he plays. But my question for you is if they put in Theodore, who do they take out? I, I don't know. I, you know, Stoner still apparently has a lower body injury, I believe, and yes, know, he's correct. out right now. Um, you would assume it would probably be Holter. Um, they've, you know, they played against LA with four right-handed defensemen. Holzer seems to be the guy who's interchangeable. You know, Manson's played good. Lindholm's played good. You, you don't move Vaughn and fell out of the lineup. And, the, and it's rarely, there's a time where BX doesn't play unless he's sick or he's hurt or anything like that. So I think if, you know, come the game to, tomorrow against the Islanders, if BX is still sick or not feeling a hundred percent, then maybe he comes out. But I think the realistic option is Holzer. Like Holzer played 12 minutes against LA. That was the lowest, of, of any Ducks defenseman in the game. Um, and like I said, he is technically the seventh guy. You know, you would assume if Stoner was ready for this game, he probably would have played instead of Holzer. So, I, you know, the most likely guy uh, to check in, uh, to check out for Theodore would probably be him. Yeah, I agree. I think Holzer would be the one to check out, unless BX is still not, you know, feeling 100%, because, I mean, he, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll get to it on some of the fan questions, but. <laughs> He, he, you know, he didn't, he didn't look well. But then again, you know, the team didn't look well. You Does know, in those ever first. Look a hundred percent. Yeah, and you know what? The people around me were, were you know, they were pretty uh, adamant about, uh, you know, their opinions about BX and the way that he's, uh, you know, been playing or not playing. Um, which brings us, you know, to the fan questions, which you know is a good part of the show that we like to talk about because uh, you know we get to interact with everybody out there. You guys send us some good questions. We have some some funny ones and some interesting ones this week. 
But, you know, talking about the performance of different players and whatnot, we have one here from Darren. He asks about Corey Perry and what do we think about his performance. Uh, he talks about Perry being a machine in the World Cup. And, uh, you know, he's on this is, is he asks, is the second line uh, delivering, you know, enough um, as far as the way the Ducks are going? I mean, I have mixed feelings about Perry. I mean, lately he's not been scoring goals. You know, the last 11 games he hasn't scored. The last one was October 26th against Nashville. But you and I talked about this, and it's kind of funny. He's, he's almost like a Getzoff 2.0 because he's had 11 assists in the last 11 games. So he's doing, you know, stuff on offense in terms of passing and getting other people goals. But I just don't think he's getting into his office as much, Eddie, and getting in front of the net, and that's why maybe he's not scoring as much. Yeah, I mean, he is shooting an abysmal 6.9% right now, and I don't I don't see it lasting that long. We've seen Perry go on droughts like this before, and then he'll come back and score one, and then he'll start scoring every game after that. Um, I expect him to probably get back up around 10 or 11% eventually. It all just depends when that happens. But, I, I mean, at least he's still contributing offensively you know he is tied for the team lead with gets with 15 points so at least he's still finding ways to contribute but he is the guy that we expect to score 30 goals on this team um and and he's gonna have to get back doing it like you said he hasn't scored in the last 11 games and, and that's a long drought to go without scoring a goal for for a guy um you know as clinical as as he's supposed to be so you know, I, I don't see it lasting too much longer. I think, like I said, it, it just takes one. And then right from there, the floodgates open, and, and Perry usually starts going from there. So hopefully it comes in the next game. But, um, you know, as long as he's contributing offensively in one way or another, I, I think right now it, it's still okay. You know, and I think it's interesting, too. The other part of Darren's question is about the second line doing, you know, well. And, I mean, yeah, if you look at the second line, Kessler, you know, eight goals, Silverberg, six goals, Cogliano, five goals. So, I mean, Darren brings up a good point. The second line has actually been the best in terms of goals. But if you look at the flip side, the first line's been the best in terms of assists, you know, with Getzloff having 14 and Perry having 11. So it's kind of a weird mix, uh, you know, to have your second line being, you know, the more goal-scoring line and then having your first line being the more playmaking line. Uh, it's kind of interesting because, you know, we're so used to it being more Getzloff giving it to Perry or, or whoever's the other winger. I mean, in this case, it's been Nick Ritchie. So it's a good point that he brings up. Uh, you know, and Ritchie's got uh, four goals, so he's not doing too terrible. But, it you know, it isn't as much as the second line. The Ducks' second line has really shined um, this season, Eddie, and has carried this team in some of these games. Well, I, I mean, this is... Uh, I mean, it, people might think it's a stretch by saying this, but this is arguably one of the best lines in hockey right now. And, and yep. you know, it might, it might not look that way in goal scoring, but, you know, th they're doing things at both ends of the ice. They're, mm -hmm. you know, Getzloff, I'm sorry, Kessler, plus nine. Silverberg, plus eight. Coglano, he's a plus six. These guys are playing great defensively. They're they're getting paired against, uh, you know, Connor McDavid. They're getting paired against uh, Jeff Carter the night before. They're getting paired against... Um, the New Jersey's top line, they're getting paired against everybody's top opponent every time the Ducks go out and play anybody. And they're not getting scored on. And then they're going out and contributing offensively. And, and you know, Kessler's leading the team in goals. And Silverberg you know, had a four-point night the other night, uh, a couple of games ago, and, and he's on a tear. Cognano's cooled down a bit, but he still has nine points in 19 games as well. So, I mean, they're all playing great right now. And, and, and we talked about this. We're going to need, you know, secondary scoring, and the second line has been great. To just we really haven't had it them both going at the same time, you know, for a couple of games, it seems to be Perry and Getzlaff's line. And then for lately it's been the second line. So 
if you can get them both going at the same time, then this is going to be a scary team. But it's hard to it's hard to do that. So um, it's obviously nice to have two lines going. We we talked about this last season. We talked about it when when Kessler initially came came to the team. You know, you, you've got that one two punch now, and then you've got Raquel and Vermetta as well who are playing good. So the pieces are there. Um, it's just getting everybody going at the same time is going to be difficult for them. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if you look at that second line, like you said, offense and defense, they're the best line right now for the Ducks period. And if we can get the other top line going, you know, then it'll be, you know things will be better. And then, obviously, with Raquel and Vermint, they've been doing pretty well on the third line. Uh, you know, obviously, Camarosa went out, and then Casse uh, had to come in, and we'll talk about him in a minute, too. Um, so, you know, those other two lines, if they can start getting going, like, you know, how the Ducks were towards the second half of last season when we had those three lines, you basically could roll all three of them. I think that's what the Ducks need to do because uh, that's been some of the issue here lately in some of these games people have been asking about, uh, you know, the consistency thing. And we did talk about this on the show uh, last time when we had that question again. I, I think that's what it is, Eddie, is I, I think it's just within the team. I think the second line has been consistent pretty much for most of the season maybe the first couple games uh, you know they warmed up and then they've been rolling but you know the first and third line are the ones and you know it's not always fair either because you know Getzloff was injured Richie was out the third line's been changed up a little bit but if they can stay healthy and get those three lines going I think then the Ducks will be I mean they're still in first but they could really be in the driver's seat going through the rest of the season yeah and it's a difficult thing to to really say you know, if they if they can get them all going, when they can get them all going, it just happens sometimes, and and it's the same with every team. And and you know, could the Ducks use another forward uh, to to play with in the top six? I think so, uh, but it's not something they necessarily need right now because the production has been so good. And I think that's it's good that the Ducks can wait to make a decision. We talked about you know if they struggle again, a, a Cam Fowler trade or, or another trade could come sooner than we would hope but right now it seems like they've kind of calmed that down with the, the play of the second line and how everybody's been playing but you know you look at it right now you know the barring the fourth line they're getting production from pretty much everybody you know Vermette's been better than we thought he would Raquel has come back and he's got 10 points in his, in his first 10 games so I mean he's been unbelievable and we already talked about the other two lines but you know you, you never really expect too much production from your fourth line so I'm not no, I'm not disappointed in their production. Um, you know, I, I don't expect Garbert and Wagner and Bold to put up points. Um, <laughs> you know, they've been disappointing in their play in general because they are the biggest minuses on the Ducks team. Um, but I mean, I can't complain. Uh, you don't, you're not expecting too much out of them, like I said. So it's nice to have everybody going, but you know, it, it all depends on when they can all get going together. Like I said before, so. You know, you talk about the fourth line, and that kind of relates to our next question from Eddie Richard. He talks about, you know, who hasn't been playing to their full potential. Um, he also asked another question about Andre Casse, uh, which we'll get to in a second. But as far as the players that are not playing at their potential, and I think you mentioned some of them, it, it kind of comes from the fourth line. Um, and, I mean, you don't expect a lot from the fourth line, like you said, let's be honest. But, you know, Eddie asked the question. Um, Eddie Richard, not you, of course, <laughs> asked this question. So, um, But looking at it, yeah, I would say, uh, you know, Bull has been another one that I know a lot of fans are very irritated with. Um, I thought he did very well in that fight he had uh, against Nolan, you know, on the, uh, with the Kings on Sunday. I thought that was a, a great fight. I mean, he sent that guy to the locker room. So, 
um, you know, in terms of that, he he seemed to do all right. And some of his fights, you know, we talked about and kind of and eh, whatever. But uh, you know, it's just that's all he really does. I mean, there's not a lot to his game. So you have that. You have Wagner, who hasn't been as physical. You know, I'd like to see him get some more of his monster checks that we're all used to. And then, uh, you know, Garbett. Garbett last year had contributed, scoring some goals and stuff, and he's been kind of quiet. So there's a handful of guys there that, you know, like you said, we don't expect a lot from them. But, I mean, they, they all three of those guys could give a little. And then uh, defensively, it, you know, it goes back to Bieksa. I mean, you, you already know we talked about Bieksa and what's going on with him. So those are the guys that I would look at, Eddie. Uh, what, what do you think? Same guys or anybody different? Yeah, I think you have to. I mean, everybody else has played at what we expect of them or, or better in, in the case of guys like Vermette and, and Silverberg and even even Richie to, to say. I mean, he only does have five points, but, uh, you know, He's been at about where we expected him. Obviously, we'd like we would like him to eventually take that step forward because he is a you know a tenth overall pick. But I think he's making some good strides in his game. He's playing good possession numbers. He's hitting everybody to so that move. So I think he's been all right. But yeah, it, it really is Jared Bull who is only there to fight. And you know he like you said he's won some, he's lost some. Uh, but there's a reason you don't see that many guys in the league anymore that all they do is fight because it there's just no it doesn't there's no place for them anymore it just it doesn't make sense to have a guy like that on your team it doesn't add anything you're almost playing with eleven guys because all he's gonna do is go yep. out there and fight I mean yep. there's a there's a reason he's minus six and he's the the, bi- the biggest minus on the Ducks team is because he doesn't do anything else. You know, he doesn't. He doesn't contribute defensively. He doesn't contribute offensively. He throws a couple of big hits and then he fights somebody, and, and that's all he does. And, and I mean, I'm not. I don't want to be negative and, and and be rude to the guy, but it just it it didn't make sense when we when we got him in the first place. It doesn't make sense that he's still in the lineup. There's guys that we could call up and play in his place. We would call up Andre Casse, and I I liked his energy and how he's played. You know, if we've got guys down on in the minors, I'd rather have Stefan Nation or somebody, anybody like that, come up and play in, in his place. And, and it's not to say that he's played worse than we thought. This is what we expected of him. It's just disappointing. And then, like you said, again with Bexa too. Uh, I mean, he when he was in Vancouver, he looked pretty good, and even last year he looked okay in the Ducks jersey. And this year, he just he seems to step slower. He, uh, I mean, uh, I. He's been the most disappointing <laughs> for me this season. Every time I see him, he's either getting blown by or he's getting beat by somebody. And he's still playing. Like He played five minutes of power play time against the Kings. Five minutes. Why? 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 <laughs> I don't know. I don't get it. I mean, obviously, Holtz a guy in the lineup. that I mean, but I would rather have Manson on the power play than... Than yeah. <laughs> I'd rather like Theodore was a healthy scratch in that game. If if Bieksa was even sick the night before, could put Theodore in there and play him five minutes on the power play. It, exactly. it, it just it doesn't make sense. I mean, he's not a power play guy. He's, he's barely a penalty kill guy anymore. Um, he's not doing much for the team, so it's been disappointing for him to you know, especially because we're paying him four million a season. Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything that you said, and I and I know, like I, I mentioned this before, all the people that sit around me, I, you know, I'm in a new section uh, this season, and uh, <laughs> I hear it from everybody, you know, and they're like, talk about this on the show, talk about this, you know, like I always crack up, I'm like, don't worry, we're going to get to it, we're going to get to it, but yeah, I agree, I, I for some reason with BXA, he just looks slower and stuff, and uh, I know some people were worried about the expansion draft. We talked about this before. He is waiving his no movement clause for purposes of the expansion draft. That is in the rules um, that that can happen. So, 
you know, the Ducks will have to try to, you know, protect, like we said, three of the other four guys, uh, Votnin, Fowler, uh, Manson, and Lindholm. So we'll have to figure that out, which, you know, we'll talk about that when it gets closer to the trade deadline and all of that. But, yeah, it's just been frustrating. Uh, I think Bex and Bull are, are the two that I hear from a lot of the fans that, you know, they're just not happy with. But, you know, uh, the other part of Eddie Richards' question here is also about Say, and I have to actually be very impressed with him. I mean, he took a good run at uh, Dowdy and, uh, in that game. Uh, he's been flying on the ice. Uh, you know, he's been out there with Vermette and Raquel. He looks good. You know, I mean, he, he's only played a couple of games. It's it's early. It's hard to tell. But from what I've seen, I, I like the energy that he provides. Um, he plays a pretty good two-way game. And uh, he starts, you know, playing more physical, too. So I, I like this kid. And I hope that we see a lot of him throughout this season, Eddie. Yeah, he, he makes a lot of good good decisions. He's a quick guy. You know, he, he's creative. Um like I would rather have him up for for every game that that Bulls played this season. I mean, for <laughs> yeah. for a guy who's drafted in the seventh round, he looks really good. Uh, he's played well for the goals this season. He's got seven points in nine games so far. He's got an assist in his first uh, three with the Ducks. So I think he's looked good so far. I mean, I'm not expecting him to come up here and just start lighting it up. I mean, this is his first three right. NHL games. I, I mean, you, there's not much more you can ask from the guy. He's played with energy. Um, he he's only played limited ice time. Other but you know, other than him playing 16 minutes against Arizona, he's played eight minutes for against Pittsburgh and 10 against LA. So he's not playing a significant amount of ice time. But the, every shift he goes out there, you notice him. He's he's doing something every shift. He's playing with energy. So I like how he's been so far. Yeah, I agree. More energy, the better. And uh, like you said, a lot more positives than uh, <laughs> Bowles been bringing. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I hope he plays up there a lot more. And, uh, you know, this week there was another move that was made. There was an actual trade made. Uh, and we have uh, Michael uh, asks about the uh, Sarbosa-Shaw trade, which, you know, it's a smaller trade. It's not an earth-shattering move, you know, that happened. It was kind of an interesting one. Um, and he asks us, you know, whether or not it's a good or bad trade. And, you know, we talk about these trades. Obviously, you can't really analyze a trade when it just happened and say it's good or bad, but I can, you know, go into what we think about it. And it's, it just seems to me that this trade Eddie was just more about a size issue. I mean, they got Shaw, who's a bigger guy, you know, he's three inches taller than Sarbosa. He's, you know, almost 20 pounds heavier and he's played a little bit more in the NHL. You know, he's, he's got 50 plus games or Sarbosa has 19, um, you know, so it's a little bit more experienced and a little bit bigger. That that's the only thing I can really uh, see out of this trade. I, I don't really think it's going to affect the team one way or another because Shaw is already assigned to the goals. He didn't have to pass through waivers or anything like that. So, you know, I, I mean, I kind of like Sarbosa. I I, I kind of wanted to keep him, but I, I don't think this trade is really going to affect the team. You know, too much. No, uh, I mean they're about the same age. Um, other than Sarbosa being a center and Shaw being a winger and then Shaw being a little bit bigger. Um, there's not much. I, I, I mean, throughout his career, when you're looking at his stats, he's been more of a of a goal scorer. Uh, I mean, that's not to say he's an elite goal scorer, but he's put up more goals more more often than assists. So it seems to be that he he must have a good shot and, and he's a guy with size. But he's he's right now he's an AHL or, or borderline fourth liner, and, and that's what we expect from him. And it would be nice to see him go down and, and, and play well with the goals. And if he gets a chance this season, maybe he comes up and he, and he takes bull spot uh, on the fourth line. Uh, <laughs> you and that bull, man. <laughs> I don't hate it. I, I mean, I the Ducks' yeah. center depth isn't great, so uh, it, it didn't make a ton of sense 
trading away Scarbosa. Not that Scarbosa was an elite center by any means, um, but for for trading away a guy that can play center for a guy that can't, and the you know other, the goals don't have a ton of center depth either. It's a little bit confusing, but I you know I think the Ducks are fine right now up in the NHL level with with obviously with Getzlaff, Kessler, and Vermette. So I think they're fine there. So I'm not disappointed. Um, It'll be interesting to see how Shaw does here, and it'll be interesting to see how Scarbosa does with uh, with Springfield. So he, he scored in his first game for for the uh, for the Panthers AHL team. So we'll see how both of them doing. Uh, I mean, it's not going to be a trade that the Ducks are going to regret making, or or they're going to love making down the road. It's more more so just an you know an AHL or fourth line kind of depth move. Yeah, exactly. And both of them are, are making about the same amount of money, so there's not really any effect on the cap space either there. So that's what you have as far as what's going on in that trade. Um, and then, you know, we have Cameron. He asks a whole bunch of uh, different questions and things all related into the goals. So we'll kind of go into some of these different things here. But uh, the goals have been on a little bit of a winning streak here. Uh, you know, they've won four games in a row. And um, our writer, Thomas, has his other articles he's been doing. He's been doing these bi-weekly articles on the goals, which we're going to have that one. Uh, put out in the next day or so uh, talking about how they've been doing it's going to go over all all the stuff that's going on the last two weeks but they've been on a roll um the one thing that did come up though is that they're not going to play on the 22nd and the 23rd um some of the you know i guess unfortunate news is uh craig cunningham uh of the ahl uh, coyotes team uh actually collapsed uh you know, during the national anthem on a game just a couple of days ago. So um, the goals were slated to play uh, that team uh, for those two days. And it's just an unfortunate thing, Eddie, but, you know, they canceled the game. And, you know, obviously thoughts and prayers go out to him and his family. Yeah, it's a, it's a scary thing. I mean, we saw it happen in the NHL level with, with, with Rich Peverly for the Dallas Stars a couple seasons ago when he collapsed on, on the bench and it ended his career. Uh, I mean, he said he was lucky to be alive and, and you know, thanked everybody that was on the, the staff and everything with the Stars. So, like you said, what we've always heard, really, and what I saw on NHL.com is that he's in stable but still critical condition. So... It, it, it you know prayers go out to to his family and and everybody even every all his teammates at the game everybody that had to witness that and and it's a tough thing to go through and I think it's a good call for them to you know just for them just to take the next few games off and and just let this kind of play out. Yeah, exactly. And the and the goals are going to be uh, you know they're going to be off uh, you know through the uh, Thanksgiving uh, break and then they'll uh, be back in action on Saturday. Uh, against Bakersfield and then uh, against Ontario on Sunday against the rain. So, uh, like I said, we'll have an article talking about what's been going on the last couple of weeks. Thomas will have that. So um, just look for that, and it'll, it'll recap what's been going on. But, you know, like we said, we just hope everything uh, works out well for the you know Craig Cunningham and his family. Um, with that, we have one uh, last question, kind of a, an interesting one, Eddie, uh, from Stephen. He asks, can we vote for Stoner to be in the All-Star game? And uh, uh, there was some news that came out about the um, the NHL All-Star game that they changed some of the rules, and they're calling it the John Scott uh, rule, I guess, or the uh, John Scott uh, anti-rule, I don't know. They're, they're, you know, they're changing all the stuff up because of what happened last season, which uh, to me actually worked out in the league's favor. So, 
Um, they're looking to not have uh, someone elected as captain that's gonna, you know, either be injured or get sent to the minor league. So that's kind of what's the new situation now. So I guess you could vote for Stone or Eddie and, and try and put him in the All Star game. Yeah, I mean, you could. Um, I, you know, I was I was happy with how it all played out last year, but when he was first voted in captain and voted even into the All Star game, I think it's just. Like, I get it, the Ulster game's been boring and it's been just crappy as of late, but, I mean, it's there because players are supposed to be rewarded for playing well. And, I, you know, I get everybody rallied behind him, but let's let's be honest, nobody's kidding ourselves. This started as a joke and it worked out in everybody's favor in the end. Yep, yep. But it, it it's a one-time thing with, a, 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 like, a, a special guy that it just worked out for. Like, John Scott's a great guy. And I'm glad it worked out for him, but I don't want to see it happen again. I would like to see the best players and the guys that deserve to go. They're guys who are having good seasons. It might not be superstars, but they're having a good season. They deserve to go there. Again, I, I still don't like how the voting is, and we were talking about this before, but you know, it's it's a popularity contest. Yeah, they fix it, so you know, you at least you get one guy from each of your team, but you can get like five guys from the Blackhawks there just because there's a ton of Blackhawks fans. So you can get five guys from the Kings there. You can get like, uh, you know, uh, maybe not five, but you know what I mean. You get the idea of what I'm trying to say. Like, it's a popularity contest. And some guys might miss out and they could have be good having good seasons. Like, we all hope, for me, Mark Scheifele should be there. And he probably will be there because he's leading the, the NHL in points. But, you know, he's not a quote-unquote superstar when you compare them to Crosby and other guys in the league, but he should be there. You know, guys like Alex Gilchenyuk, Patrick Laine, even Artem Anisimov, the top 10 guys in the league right now, guys you all wouldn't always expect to be at the All-Star game, but right now are proving that they deserve to be there. These are the guys that should be there. And the voting still still isn't perfect, and it still doesn't do that. Um, the, I don't know how they can fix it. I mean, you know, maybe limit it to voting for the guys in the top 50 or 100 for uh, for points per game or something like that. I don't know how they could do it, um, but we'll have to see how it works out. And, and I hope it doesn't happen this year, but you never know. It's the same people who voted Lamlin last year are going to be voting this year. So, yeah, I, hey, I don't know. Hey, so, so we can vote in Stoner still. So, hey, <laughs> so there you go. saying there's a chance. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, we know it won't be BXA, right? Uh, uh, so, no. Gotcha. But anyways... <laughs> Uh, but no, yeah, they're changing the rules and and doing you know what they're trying to do to keep it a certain way. But I agree with you. They they need to do something where they need to limit it to, you know, uh, I think a certain range of players. You know, the ones like you said that are deserving of going. I mean, otherwise, if it's going to be a fan thing, then you're going to go the other way and let people vote for whoever they want for whatever team, and and you know it's just going to be chaos. So I think that they need to get it you know a little bit more tightened up. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it pans out. Um, you know, and with that, the Ducks are going to be back in action this week. They're still going to be at home. They're playing the Islanders, the Blackhawks, and the Black Friday game, as uh, we've known to call it now. And then uh, they'll be going to San Jose on Saturday. So you got three games to talk about coming up here. Uh, the Ducks already lost to the Islanders 3-2 in overtime uh, earlier this season. And, um, you know, looking at these games, I mean, obviously you're going to circle the Chicago Blackhawk one. And, you know, there's going to be a bazillion people at that game, as it always is. That's a big one. Um, and San Jose is going to be another good one, too. The Ducks already lost um, to San Jose 2-1 to one in an overtime uh, loss as well. So, 
some big games, Eddie. I mean, this week it's going to be a little bit tougher. I mean, you know, last couple of weeks we've thought the Ducks were going to win two out of three. You know, I'm hoping they win two out of three this week, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if maybe they only pull out one. I mean, it, it's going to be a battle with these three teams. You know, the Islanders play them tough. Chicago's on fire. And, of course, San Jose always plays the Ducks tough. Yeah, but let's be honest here. This this first game it has to be a must-win for the Ducks. I mean, the Islanders are the worst team in the Eastern Conference. They haven't won a game on the road all season. They're 0-4-1. They're 2-4-4 four four in their last 10. This is a team who's playing awful right now, who can't win on the road. You're playing them at home. You're going to get all the matchups. Uh, I mean, you know, John Tavares is still healthy, so they're still a dangerous team, but you have to win this game. And, yes, and I just agree. Just the way they're playing, the position that they're in, and, and if you're considering yourselves the top team, one of the top teams in the Western Conference, or even in the Pacific Division, you have to beat a team like this who's struggling and can't win on the road. So I think they have to go out and win this game. Obviously, the game against Chicago is going to be tough. Uh, I mean, Chicago's actually getting pumped for nothing right now by Edmonton. So, uh, <laughs> well, maybe they're slowing down a bit. But I mean, that's going to be probably the toughest game of the week. Chicago is the best team in the Western Conference right now. They're they're sitting at thirteen four and two right now, and they're they're playing extremely well. So this is going to be a, a tough game for sure. And then obviously, uh, I mean, playing San Jose anytime is a physical and tough game. But then playing them right after playing a tough game against Chicago, uh, I mean, if they can get you know two or three points out of out of those games, that will be huge. So uh, I mean, you definitely got to say the Islanders is a must win. But it'll be interesting to see how they handle this back to back against the Blackhawks and the Sharks. Yeah, I, I look at the Islanders game like I look at the Kings game. I mean, you said all of these things about them being bad on the road and you know being down the dumps, and you know, that's how I felt when we went to the Kings game, and the, it was like a, a trap game almost. So I hope the Ducks don't look ahead. I hope they just focus on the Islanders, focus on coming out and playing a stronger game than they did against L.A., and they win that one because, like you said, you really want to win that game before going to play Chicago. And then I think you know this is an interesting thing because this has come up too some people have talked about the goalie situation and and bernier and gibson and and you know people still bring up anderson i don't know why he's not on the ducks anymore but i, I hear that from some people as well but anyways going into this it's back to back who do you go with do you go with gibson against chicago or bernier what do you think i think i think it might depend on one who plays against the islanders and uh-huh. we probably assume it's gibson Right, He's right. Play against the Islanders. Uh, I mean, he didn't play awful against the Kings. Yeah. So you, uh, I mean, it's hard to to criticize him. So I think he probably comes out and plays against the Islanders, and then maybe it depends on on how he plays there. Um, and if they yeah. decide to give you know Bernier the tough game against the Blackhawks, I don't know. Maybe the you know I don't know either either guys pass numbers against either team, and that usually plays a factor in this too. So I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how they handle it. I I, I feel like. You know, Gibson probably gets to start against Chicago if they want to go. You know, Chicago is the the tougher team statistics wise right. right now, but San Jose is also the Pacific Division team, and yep. which game is is really more important to you standings wise right now? So it it's it's a tough call. They're both you can make a case for both goalies in either game right now. So I mean, maybe we can make a better call after the Islanders game, but even then, I still think it, it's a toss up on who could start in either game. Yeah, I agree with you. Me personally, I, I kind of would go with Bernier against Chicago. Really, I, I just would. I think that uh, he's been playing pretty good. Uh, he hasn't played as much, but I, I would put him out there. 
uh, like you said, uh, you know, you want to beat San Jose. You want to get those four points. Let Gibson play San Jose. You know, that's kind of my thinking. I mean, I won't be mad if it goes the other way, but I just think it's an interesting situation because Bernier is actually, you know, not done too poorly. And, um, you know, in this game against L.A., like you said, it, you know, a couple of those goals are power play goals in which the defense, you know, shorthanded and, and, you know, Gibson got burnt. So I don't really blame Gibson. He didn't play great, but, he, you know, he didn't play terrible in that game against L.A. So that's something I would do. I just think it's kind of interesting. I've seen some articles out there saying, you know, that, you know, Bernier should get some more playing time. And, uh, I, I mean, Gibson is still number one. But I would like to see Bernier get a couple more games that he means. You know, obviously, back-to-back. He's going to play in one of these. So... That'll be something to monitor as this week comes up. And then, of course, obviously the health of some of the players, too, as well. We don't know. Um, you know, Stoner has a lower body injury. We don't know when he's coming back this week. Uh, BX has been sick. Uh, so Theodore's up. He may come in this week. We don't know for sure. You know, Casse uh, is up, um, and he may stay in, too, with, uh, you know, Camarosa being out. So some things to watch this week in terms of the lineup. Uh, hopefully everybody else stays healthy. But, um it's going to be interesting, and and uh, the only real uh, other big news going on this week in the league, Eddie, is Las Vegas is going to announce the team name. So we're going to finally know who or what they're going to be called. And uh, you know, if you look, there's a there's a, a website. It's kind of like ours. I mean, you know, we we have ducks and pucks for the ducks. There's a Sinbin for the Las Vegas team, and if you go to Sinbin Vegas. Uh, it's kind of a weird URL, but I mean, that's how it is. You go on there, they have a, a thing on there where they, they look at this logo and they think what it may be and they think it's like a V and they talk about the word knights and everything again. So, you know, they're thinking it might be a form of that, but I mean, there's, I mean, we just don't know Eddie, but I, I can't wait cause it's going to be over and <laughs> we'll all know, uh, you know, as, as of, uh, right now it's Monday, but as of Tuesday, we will know. Yeah, I mean, it'll be nice to know uh, all the rumors and, and all the false reports and stuff that have been floating around. Apparently, like the, the owner was floating out false names to throw people off. and <laughs> It'll be nice to have all that over with and just finally know. I mean, I really hope it's not the Desert Knights. I'm not a huge fan of that name. I, I mean, yeah. the, I don't really care what they're called. Um, it'll just be nice to have it over. It'll be interesting to see the direction they decided to go in. But, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, it'll be nice to have it over. I hope too, that they, they have the jerseys released tomorrow or some kind of logo that we also get to see with the, the name. It'd be kind of disappointing if all we find out tomorrow is just the name and there's no jersey or logo concept, but I'm sure I'm sure if they've got the name, they've been thinking of jersey color and logo and everything along with it. So, uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be cool to hear what it is tomorrow. Yeah, because according to the website, it, it looks like they've thrown out uh, Black Knights, which you knew was the issue before with uh, the London team, obviously, in your backyard. Uh, and they also have Silver Knights and Desert Knights. So I, you know, I don't know. We've heard a bunch of this night this and night that. I don't know. But there's that you know being floated around. And on the website, they have the colors as uh, gold, black, and red. So you may want to look for that, that if they do uh, present, like you said, the uniforms tomorrow, which you would hope they would do it all in one big shot and not just go, hey, here's the name. Uh, you'd think they'd do everything. But those are some things to look for, and uh, we'll see what the name is, and um, it'll be good. It'll be exciting uh, to see what they're going to come up with and finally have it done, and then you know, next season obviously get rolling here. So that's the only real big news this week. Um I know uh, Thanksgiving's coming up, so we want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. Hope you know you're with your family and your friends, and you have a safe holiday season. Enjoy the Ducks. Uh, you know, obviously this uh, week uh, over the uh, holiday weekend, and uh, we'll be back next week with another show. And let's go Ducks!